Enemy power-up detected. How's it going, Mick fans? It's Cozen Indigo here, bringing you another comp-specific podcast. And this time around, it is a look at the Inner Sphere Coalition. Uh, the tournament has wrapped up now, so it is a great time to geek out a little bit on some Mech stats uh, and check in on how the teams performed, uh, what mechs were used, what strats were popular, uh, and what about this comp might be relevant for the world champs uh, and other tournaments, uh, competitive tournaments moving forward. Now we do plan to talk with uh, tournament organisers Bob and Callan Farstar, uh, both from Aces Wild, and uh, we wanted to discuss with them you know, how they felt about the tournament itself, how it had gone, uh, and in particular uh, looking at the structure and the format, because IAC uh, was a little different. But uh, for this episode, uh, we're going to focus just on the teams, on the strats and see what we can say uh, about their performance. Now I will keep it pretty brief uh, obviously on each of the teams as uh, there is only so much time that we've got. So just before we talk stats, uh, a quick reminder of course that uh, IEC was a 6v6 Innisfair only tournament and uh, there were 6 rounds uh, in total. Your opponent each week uh, was decided via a Swiss system. Uh, now, in short, that's a, a matching system that attempts to place teams against other teams that have a similar kind of win or loss record each round. And uh, the hope being that it leads to teams, leads to you uh, facing teams who are performing similar to you and, and hopefully of a, of a uh, similar skill level. So keep in mind factors like uh, Innisfair mechs generally have more hit points, they're a bit more tanky. Uh, there are only six mechs uh, on the field that you can shoot and do damage to. Uh, the tonnage limit was only 325, so you're only going to see certain types of mechs out there generally, uh, and that the format itself is going to mean that teams are generally matched up, uh, as we've said, against teams of equal skill level. Now, there's probably a ton of other things that I don't really have time to cover uh, in the podcast today that were probably influential, uh, but be sure if there's things that you can think of from your experience in comp uh, or just from, from seeing it, uh, that you think were influential and put those down in the comments below uh, because again it's always good to get that feedback uh, and, and just to, to put that in towards the community and, and give them that kind of uh, perspective. Now uh, fair warning that there is a bit to go through and I can only be very brief on each of the teams as I mentioned uh, and I do get accused of going on a bit so uh, yeah if you can't handle my uh, sexy Kiwi accent for too long I will leave some timestamps um, in the show notes so that you can just jump uh, to the various parts in the episode and check some things out. Right, let's start with the teams. Uh, there were 33 teams, uh, which was a, a pretty good show out, to be honest. Uh, and I'll go through each of the teams from first, where they finished in the final standings from first through to 33rd. Now, to assess how a team performed, uh, I'm not only going to look at how many games they won, uh, but how they finished compared to where they were initially ranked. Uh, as you know, each team was seeded coming into the tournament. Uh, the strength of their schedule, so how tough were the opponents that they played, uh, and some of the efficiencies in the game, uh, like kill rate uh, or, or the kill accuracy. So what I mean by that, 
Uh, I'll talk about a, a team's KD, and just like a player's KD, that's the number of mechs that they've killed uh, against the number of deaths on their team. Uh, kill rate is the percentage of mechs they killed against the total that was the total that was fielded against them. Uh, and when we're talking strength of schedule, then I'm tallying up uh, the seedings, the, the opposition uh, seeding uh, that uh, was being played against and, and putting that as a total and then ranking everyone depending on uh, how high or low that total was. Right, uh, first place was EMP uh, and they had a pretty commanding performance in the tournament. Uh, they did come in ranked first, so of course they have finished uh, where they were expected, but Truth be told, that doesn't really tell everything. They were really only challenged uh, in one match, and that was against uh, other heavyweights, JGX. Uh, they won, of course, all of their six matches. They had a KD of 3.6 and a kill rate of 91%. Important to keep in mind, though, that they performed this way against the toughest schedule of the tournament. So uh, a very, very impressive showing by EMP. Uh, much better, I think, than MOR. Uh, they really have established themselves of late as a super, super heavyweight. Uh, and as we hit world champs and Eon uh, hopefully become a factor again, it's going to be really, really interesting uh, to see those two go at it. In second and third, uh, we have 228 Blackwatch and JGX Black Omen. Now, those two teams are actually uh, playing a tiebreaker. Uh, to see which one finishes second and which one finishes third. I'm actually not sure whether that has been played yet, so I'm just going to treat them effectively as second equal. Uh, I'll start with 228th Blackwatch, uh, and they uh, came in ranked fourth, so finishing second equal uh, is a pretty good result for them. Uh, they also had the third toughest schedule, so again, that, that's a relevant factor. Now, they won five of their matches. Uh, they had a KD of 2.3, and a kill rate of 79%. Uh, their accuracy, though, was pretty comparable to EMP. So uh, on average, they destroyed 2.2 components per mech that they had killed. Uh, so yeah, again, if we see uh, a relatively low component destruction figure compared to the amount of mechs that they've killed, uh, that would tend to tell us that uh, you know the team is pretty efficient in their uh, in killing a mech, you know, they're only having to destroy one or two components, uh, you know, one obviously being the minimum and two being uh, the most common. If uh, you're going to three or more, uh, then you start to shoot off arms and, and all of these other things. So we're taking that today as a proxy uh, for accuracy. So uh, again, the other team there, JGX Black Omen, uh, they were very impressive as well. Uh, and uh, they came in, of course, ranked at second. So they finished where they were expected. Uh, they also won five of their matches, uh, only losing to EMP. Uh, they had a KD of 2.9 and a kill rate of 85%. Uh, and of course, they had the second toughest schedule in the tournament. Uh, they were pretty comparable to EMP in damage uh, and in match score, uh, but they were possibly just a little bit less accurate. Uh, they had a rate of 2.5 components destroyed per mech killed. They really did showcase how well they were playing in that match against EMP uh, in round five. As I said, they were the only team to really challenge EMP, and that match went down to the last drop. Uh, it was very, very close and uh, an excellent showing uh, by JGX. In fourth, uh, 2 to 8 Wild Ones, uh, and they were somewhat of a surprise finisher, uh, ending up in fourth in the tournament and also winning five matches. 
Now, it is a team full of great players, uh, the likes of Crisman and um, JZ and uh, Defunct, but they never won more than three drops in a match, uh, and they had just the 16th toughest schedule in the tournament. So that's a really, really favourable draw when you consider that against uh, the teams that I've already mentioned and the teams that I will mention. They had a KD of uh, just 1.2, which is again probably a little underwhelming for a team with the players that they had, uh, and a kill rate of 69%. Now they did have average match scores and damage comparable to a team like uh, EMP, uh, but again, Wild Ones benefited a bit from the strength uh, of the schedule. Majestic 12 finished in 5th, which is where they came in ranked, But uh, so they had a very, very um, good tournament. Uh, They also had a very, very hard schedule, uh, and they played both uh, the first and second ranked teams. Uh, They won four matches uh, with a KD of 1.3 and a kill rate of 72%. Now Majestic really are a team that are pretty firmly in that space, I think, between a Div A team and a Div B team. Uh, You know, they, they pretty much dominated any other Div B team that they played against. Uh, but in turn, they, they probably did struggle and got dominated themselves uh, by those true Div A teams uh, like an EMP. So let's just hope that they stick together and they continue to play. I think they are a team that, uh, again, with more time together, uh, that they can uh, get up to that Div A level. Uh, they're full of quality. They had a very, very good tournament. Uh, again, when you consider just uh, the teams that they did have to play, uh, they were very, very good. Uh, Diamond Shark Alpha Galaxy finished in 6 and in my opinion have really become the darlings of the comp scene at the moment. Uh, They really have epitomised the the strength of a team I guess in a team game Uh, and despite coming in ranked just 22nd on roster strength uh, they won 4 matches. Uh, They had a KD of 0.9 and a kill rate of 59% and they did that with the 8th toughest schedule of the tournament so that is really really impressive to get out with four matches Uh, and I guess that was shown a little bit because they had uh, a far lower accuracy rate uh, than many of the other teams that finished in that top 10. Uh, They had to destroy 327 components to get to the 106 kills so you can see that there's a lot a lot less efficiency there uh, in getting the kills that they did. Now rounds two through five were particularly impressive uh, for the Shark Boys and uh, they really did show just how much grit and determination uh, and cohesion ultimately that they have as a team. So an excellent finish uh, for DSAG and well done to them. Smoke Adders uh, finished in seventh which is probably just a little bit disappointing for those guys given that they were actually the third seed coming in. Uh, They also won four matches, uh, but they did have a pretty favourable draw. Uh, Their schedule was just the 15th toughest, uh, and given that they were ranked third, um, then they should have done really, really well. Uh, And they actually managed to avoid playing a a true Div A team, so they didn't end up against uh, EMP or JGX or Blackwatch. Now, they did have a KD of 1.6, which was pretty good, and a kill rate of 77%, uh, but they were probably just a little bit up and down given just how good they are, uh, particularly on the back of a sensational MOR, I think they probably would have been expecting more uh, from themselves in this one. White Knight Legion finished in 8th, they won 4 matches as well, 
uh, a pretty good finish given that they ranked 12th. They were the 12th seed on roster strength. Uh, but they also benefited from, benefited from a pretty favourable draw. Uh, it was the 19th toughest schedule. Uh, and they only just got home in a couple of games. So four matches was a little bit flattering for them. They did have pretty good stats though, all things considered. Uh, a KD of 1.4 and a kill rate of 71%, uh, which was, yeah, as I said, pretty good. And uh, their average match scores and damages were also really, really good. So I think reflecting some pretty good individual performances uh, from White Knight Legion, uh, I think they lacked a little bit of the cohesion that they had had in MOR, uh, but still a really good finish for them. The Mighty Clan Crossfire finished in ninth, and that was a little behind their 7th ranked seeding uh, coming into the tournament. They also won 4 matches and uh, they also had somewhat of a favourable draw. Uh, it was just the 14th toughest schedule of the tournament. Uh, but they were one of the few teams to play 2 of the top 3 teams. Uh, another team that made it pretty hard to win. Uh, they won more than 3 drops just once out of their 6 matches. Uh, they did manage an even KD of 1.0 and a kill rate of 63%. Uh, and they were bang on average really for their match score uh, and their damage bang on the tournament average. Uh, the accuracy though was pretty good, particularly compared to the teams that finished pretty close to them. Uh, for example, they destroyed 293 components on their way to 113 kills. So uh, again, a, a pretty good showing uh, all up there from my unit. Cameron's Highlanders Claymores finished in 10th, and that was, of course, very close to their 9th ranked seeding coming in. They also won four matches, uh, and they ended up with a very, very favourable draw uh, after losing rounds 2 and 3, and they ended up with only the 20th toughest schedule. Uh, they had a good KD of 1.6 and a kill rate of 76%, uh, and their average match score and damage was also very, very good. Uh, so, you know, despite having a pretty soft draw, Claymore did come through and show their quality uh, in really taking advantage uh, of some opposition that probably weren't as highly ranked as they were. Uh, MS Crab people finished in 11th, and they were probably the one of two teams that were most affected uh, by the format. Uh, they came into the tournament ranked 6, but they had the fifth toughest schedule in the tournament. Uh, and arguably the toughest uh, if we look outside the stats because they played three teams who finished in the top four. Now they still managed three wins, which is fantastic, and a KD of 0 0.7 and a kill rate of 52%. So have to give the Krabbies a lot of credit, um, you know, given that how tough it would be to, to play those top teams. Um, they've done really, really well uh, to end up in 11th. 2 to 8th death from above were 12th, uh, and they had come into the tournament ranked 13th. Uh, they won three of their matches. They also had a pretty tough schedule, uh, the 10th toughest, uh, and they did play some of the toughest uh, non-Div A teams. Now, they did struggle a little, uh, winning by more than three drops only once, uh, but they did have a pretty solid KD of 1.1 and a kill rate of 67%. Now, they would have really fancied themselves against uh, like DSAG and against Wild Ones, so they actually could have finished a little bit higher than they did. Uh, but again, given their relative roster strength, they've done uh, pretty well to end up there in 12th. Furia finished in 13th, and they also won three matches. Uh, they had come in rank 16th, so finished ahead of their seeding. 
though they benefited from a really, really soft schedule, uh, just the 26th toughest uh, out of 33 schedules. They had a KD of 1.1 and a kill rate of 66%, uh, though again, we, we should add some perspective to that, that uh, Furia, as I understand, are an EU team, uh, and I think they were dealing with some pretty tough game times, so you know, if they were playing in the wee hours of the morning, it makes it just that much harder to do. So well done to Furia uh, for even taking part in the tournament and, of course, uh, for finishing where they did ultimately ahead of their seeding. 2-8 Snack Watch were 14th after winning three matches, and that was well ahead uh, of their 20th seeding coming in. Now, Snack Watch were the best of the new teams, so the new teams that were formed for this tournament. Uh, and ironically, they ended up playing half of their matches against other 228 teams. Uh, now, they also had a really, really tough schedule, the seventh toughest, uh, and they played two of the teams who ended up finishing in the top four. They still managed a KD of 1.1 and a kill rate of 55%, so a very good tournament for Snackwatch. Comstar Postal Service finished in 15th after coming in ranked as 15th, uh, so they did land where it's expected. Uh, they actually performed really strongly given that they had the 11th toughest schedule. Uh, they won three matches and took 17 drops overall. Uh, they had an impressive 1.4 KD and 77% kill rate. Uh, and their average match score and damage rates were also really, really good. So I really hope we get to see more of Comstar in comp uh, and that they stick together as a team. Dropship 4 was 16th, uh, a little behind their seeding uh, of 14th. Now they also won three matches, uh, but they had a softer schedule than, say, Comstar, who was just behind, uh, just ahead of them. They Dropship 4's schedule was just the 18th toughest overall. Now that schedule did actually include DSAG, so it was probably a little bit tougher than the stats would tell us, but uh, D4 still managed a positive KD of 1.1 and a 67% kill rate. Uh, so they still did get, they still did do a good job of getting their damage down range, and they did win 16 drops, which is uh, pretty good. So yeah, but uh, of course, with the momentum that they had had from MOR, uh, they were probably expecting just a little bit better showing than that. Aces Wild Waffle House was 17th, uh, which was very close to their 18th seed coming in. Uh, they won three matches and 14 drops. And they had a KD of 0.8 and a kill rate of 59%. Now, whilst that might not seem as though they're outstanding, they also had the ninth toughest schedule in the tournament, including matches against JGX, against Claymore, and against Crab People. So, in my opinion, it's actually a really, really good effort, particularly given that they won against Claymore. Uh, I do have to point out their accuracy, though. Uh, they needed only... 245 components for the 107 mechs they killed. Now that's a similar accuracy rate uh, to someone like Blackwatch, who's a very, very good Div A team. Davian Spudforce uh, were 18th overall, and they had come and ranked as the 17th seed, so you know they effectively swapped places with Waffle House based on their seeding. Uh, they won three matches, but uh, they actually only won nine drops, uh, so they did cut things as close as they could come, really. Uh, they did have a pretty tough schedule, the 13th toughest overall, uh, and that included the uh, lovely round one match against EMP. So uh, unfortunately, Davian Spudforce had to take one for the team there and play uh, EMP first up. 
their KD was just 0.5 and their kill rate was just 43%. So they're probably pretty lucky to have won the matches that they did. But you know, ultimately, winning is what matters. Uh, so certainly credit to the Spud Force for uh, just getting the job done. So well done to them. Uh, Clan Widowmaker finished in 19th, uh, winning three matches and 15 drops. Uh, they had come in ranked 21st, so a positive finish. Uh, and they did end up with a very, very favourable draw, just the 28th toughest. So yeah, a, a pretty, pretty soft there for a team like Clan Widowmaker. Uh, they had an even KD at 1.0 and uh, their kill rate was 65%. Uh, so some decent performance there though. Uh, you probably would have expected them to dominate a little bit more uh, given, how, given how soft the schedule ended up being. Merkstar Crawdads, the other MS team, were in 20th. and Now that was well ahead of their 27th seed coming in. Uh, their schedule was fairly good, uh, about where you would expect the 21st toughest overall, but that did include Wild Ones, and it did include Comstar, a, a couple of teams that had performed really well. Uh, they won three matches and 15 drops, and uh, yeah, they were the kings of the 3-2 match. Every one of their matches came down to a 3-2 decision one way or the other. Uh, so despite that uh, negative KD at 0.8 and a kill rate at just 59%, I really do think it's one of the more impressive performances of the tournament to get through and get three wins, given that they were ranked 27th coming in was fantastic. So yeah, certainly hope that they stick together as a team uh, and uh, yeah, that we do see them in future comps. Panzer Regiment finished in 21st, which is very, very good given that they came in seated at 32nd. Uh, they won two matches uh, and took drops off all of their opponents, which is really great, uh, and that included a bye in round two. Uh, now, they did have a pretty favourable schedule to help them. Uh, it was the 27th toughest, but uh, they did manage a KD of 0.9 and a kill rate of 62%, which is pretty good. So a pretty good tournament uh, for 502. So well done to those guys. Paragon Sect ended up in 22nd, uh, and they had the second worst differential from their seeding. Uh, they initially came in seeded as 10th, uh, and of course ended up finishing in 22nd. Now they did win three matches, but they never won more than three drops in a match, uh, and they did have the second easiest schedule in the tournament, so uh, they probably feel that they should have done a bit more than they did. Uh, they had a KD of 0.9 and 61% kill rate. Uh, and given how high their average match score and damage was, uh, I think that probably speaks a little bit to a lack of accuracy. Uh, when we look at it, we see that they had to destroy 334 components uh, throughout the tournament for only 110 kills. So that's an average of about three, uh, which is getting up there. The other Smoke Adders team, 505th, were 23rd, and that's a pretty good result given that they uh, were 29th seeded. Uh, they won two matches uh, and had a bye, although they did only win nine drops. Uh, it was a KD of 0.7 and a kill rate of 51%. Uh, their schedule was probably pretty fair, the 25th toughest overall, uh, but Smoke Adders, they'll probably feel that they could have been a little bit better with getting their damage in. Uh, they were fairly low in overall kills and damage, so I'm not sure whether that was an accuracy issue or whether it was a strategy issue, being in the right place to take advantage and get your damage downrange, but uh, that's something that they'll probably want to consider 
uh, moving forward, but still uh, a positive tournament for them. 2 to 8th death from below finished in 24th, and uh, were unfortunately the team with the largest differential. They uh, came in ranked 11th seed uh, and ended up finishing 24th, so 13 places lower than expectation. Uh, they won two matches and 13 drops overall, but uh, they had a few issues fielding a full team uh, in the last two of their games. In fact, fielding just four pilots uh, in a match against uh, Seraphim. Without Chortles in there playing lights out in this tournament, now that is pun intended, look, they may have struggled probably even further than they did. Now, they did still manage a KD of 1.1 and a kill rate of 71%, so it does show just how good that team can be, um, but I think they'll probably be a little bit disappointed uh, once again, considering the momentum that they had gained through MOR and the really, really good performance that we had seen in that last tournament. Sky Rangers finished 25th, and that was right on expectation, given that they had come in seeded uh, as 26. And they also won two matches, which is pretty good, seeing as they had a, a tougher-than-average schedule, uh, the 17th hardest overall. Now, they did take drops off all but one of their opponents uh, on their way to a 0.7 KD and 53% kill rate. Uh, their round one win against Paragon Sect was very, very good, and uh, they really pushed Clan Crossfire uh, in round two. So certainly a lot for Sky Rangers to be proud of uh, in this tournament. Clan Extra Fleck, the other Clan Crossfire team, were 26 overall, uh, which was very close to their 25th seed coming in. Uh, they also won two matches, uh, also taking drops off all but one of their opponents. Uh, and they ended up winning 16 drops overall, which is pretty impressive uh, for this lower part of the table. Their schedule was pretty fair. It was the 24th toughest overall, uh, and they had a almost positive KD, 0.9 there, and a kill rate of 61%. Uh, a pretty good showing from another new team, uh, and just want to give a personal shout out to Matt Moisa and Small Baguette uh, from my unit, who did, I think, an outstanding job. Uh, leading this team. It was their first time um, doing that in comp, uh, and I think they did a, a pretty fantastic job. Blackthorn Dragoons finished in 27th, which was uh, just a short way behind uh, their 24th seeding. They won one match and 11 drops, and they did have a, a bye in the final round. Uh, and they'll be a bit bummed that they couldn't kind of bring the momentum that they'd had from MOR into this tournament. Uh, they were very good in MOR, but uh, Probably a little bit underwhelming in this one. Uh, their schedule was pretty strong, uh, but it was teams I think that they probably could have beaten. Accuracy and kill efficiency certainly looked to be a bit of an issue. Uh, they had to destroy 255 components for just 79 kills. So a little bit lacking there and something for them to work on. Aces Wild Black Aces finished in 28th, and that was quite a way behind their 19th seeding. Uh, they did win two matches, but they were the other team alongside Crab People who really caught the wrong end of the Swiss system. Uh, they ended up with the sixth most difficult draw in the tournament. That included four teams in the top 10. So that's a really, really tough ask, and it's a, a massive credit to Black Aces uh, that they performed as well as they did, uh, getting those two wins. They had a KD of 0.6 and a kill rate of 47%. Uh, they showed some pretty good accuracy, uh, destroying 242 components on their way to killing 85 mechs. 
Jade Gorsier finished in 29th, also uh, a little way behind their 23rd seed ranking coming in. Uh, they did win two matches though, and 14 drops, which is really good. Uh, and they took drops off all but one of their opponents, so they were pretty competitive. The finishing drops, I think, seemed to be a bit of an issue for Jade Corsair. I mean, they had a, a KD of 0.8 and a 57% kill rate, uh, but they killed far more mechs uh, than teams that finished in, in a relatively similar position. So they were destroying the mechs, but uh, just not getting the wins. So uh, potentially maybe a strat issue for Corsair or something like that, but um, at least something that they can look at uh, for the next tournament is how to convert those kills into drop wins. Seraphim Regiment finished in 30th, uh, almost right on their 31st seed ranking. Uh, they won one match in uh, seven drops and had a slightly tougher schedule than teams in similar position. It was the 22nd hardest overall. Now they did manage a KD of 0.6 and a kill rate of 39%, so they'll be pretty happy that they were as competitive as they were. Now they will be a little bit gutted that they lost to that uh, four-pilot death from below team in the last round. That was certainly one uh, that they probably should have expected to take. Uh, Sons of Thunder, the other Cameron Highlanders team, finished in 31st, and that was pretty close to their 30th seed. Uh, they won just the one match in the last round, but they did struggle a bit. They only won five drops in total. And Aces Wild Dead Man's Hand finished in 32nd with one win and seven drops uh, and performed probably a little bit better than their record uh, would suggest. Uh, they did much more damage and killed more mechs than the other teams in the, in the very bottom of the standings. So uh, probably another team where there were some really good individual performances. Uh, but uh, obviously maybe some work to do in regards to strats or, or what's happening in the mech lab. And finally we had the other Aces Wild team, Suicide Kings, finishing last, uh, which was actually where they were seated. They were the only team not to get a win, so props for taking part, uh, and let's hope that they do stay part of the comp scene. I think there was uh, potentially a lot of first-timers in there, so do stick at it, those members. Uh, great that you have taken part there. So that's how the team's finished. Uh, whilst we will talk more about the Swiss format with Not Bob and Kellen uh, in another podcast, I think the most obvious thing generally is that teams finished pretty close to where they were seated coming in. Uh, in fact, 23 of the 33 teams finished within four places of their initial seeding. So there was a few surprise packages, uh, but not too many. Now, all but one team won a match. Uh, the average kill rate was 61%, uh, and on average, teams destroyed 289 components for 106 kills. So that figure is 2.7 components per kill. So that's the one to keep in mind. And of course, yeah, congratulations to EMP for winning in such a dominant fashion, uh, and congratulations to all the teams uh, for the efforts in the tournament. Right, from teams to pilots, and let's look firstly at the winners of the tournament's specialty awards. The damage leader was Chortles from 2 to 8th Death From Below, uh, who was huge in this tournament, uh, amassing 14,125 damage uh, across the drops that he played. Now that's a tick over 470 damage per drop. Fantastic. The assist leader was Salath from EMP, uh, who took the title with 127 assists. What does that mean? That means Salath took a part in killing 71% of every mech that his team killed. Very, very impressive. 
The kill leader uh, was Texan Scrublord from Majestic 12, and he maintained the crown of lethality that he had garnered midway through comp, and of course the impressive showing in MOR. He topped that tally with 38 kills across the tournament. The KMDD leader, now Chimera from EMP and Texan, shared the honours here, uh, both with 38 KMDDs. Uh, in fact, Chimera and Texan shared first and second for both kills and KMDDs, uh, though I do need to point out Chimera actually paid three fewer drops uh, than Texan, so yeah, pretty pretty good there by Chimera. The component destroyer, uh, Chimera again was devastating. 78 components destroyed, uh, and that really did highlight his accuracy. Uh, his rate of components destroyed to kills was 2.1, so yeah, that's, that's absolutely fantastic. The team damage leader, uh, also someone from EMP, and that was Reckless, uh, who took the crown. 712 total team damage across the tournament, uh, though I suspect that some of that was uh, deliberate just for some shits and giggles. I know that uh, EMP were kind of dropping strikes on themselves and shoot themselves for laughs uh, at the ends of some of the drops. Now some of the other uh, key metrics and key pilot performances, uh, I've looked at a minimum of 10 drops uh, played to qualify for these. Now the match score per tonne goes to Chortles from Death From Below, uh, who averaged 9.5 match score per tonne uh, and also took the damage crown as well, uh, averaging 14.1 damage per tonne, which is very, very impressive. The best average overall match score and damage was also Chortles, uh, averaging 311.4 match score uh, and as I mentioned earlier, 470 damage. So yeah, an outstanding effort across the board there from Chortles. Now uh, on to the different classes now, and uh, surprise, surprise, Chortles again showed his light pilot credentials, uh, averaging 289 match score uh, in light. Uh, that included 12 kills and 45 assists. In mediums, we had Kraz Nepeski from JGX topping the charts. Uh, Kraz averaged 308 match score, uh, with 16 kills and 45 assists across 11 drops in a medium. St. Pauli from Comstar Postal Service was the best in heavy mechs, uh, averaging 290 match score uh, and getting 19 kills in heavies across 20 drops. Uh, and in the most rarely played class, the assaults, uh, it was Invictus from 2 to 8th Death from Above, uh, who was the best in the tournament. Uh, averaging 257 match score and 14 kills, uh, over 16 drops played in an assault. Now for me though, uh, the pilot of the tournament, uh, as you've probably guessed, is Chortles, uh, who really did play the house down uh, in a team that didn't perform particularly well overall. Now Chortles topped a lot of the metrics from that per ton basis, uh, and that was really based on just how well Chortles goes in that commando. Uh, and he played that commando 16 times. So um, yeah, in, in half, more than half the drops, uh, he was in there. So absolutely fantastic. Uh, did a really, really good job there, Chortles, and really um, chucked the team on your back there, um, despite some of the challenges that Death From Below faced uh, and still came through uh, as probably the tournament's best pilot. So talking now about uh, the mechs and the strats and uh, what we learned from this tournament. Uh, now I did cover a bit on the mechs in the mid-comp review, 
uh, and I don't actually think a lot has changed since what I discussed then. So I'll go through the numbers uh, surrounding the mix pretty quickly, and of course, hopefully a lot of you have been using the IEC stat pack, uh, and you've been able to track these numbers, uh, these usage numbers um, as we've gone through. Now the most used chassis uh, in order were the Vulcan, the Assassin, the Grasshopper, the Warhammer, the Wolfhound, the Crab, the Roughneck, the Victor, the Bushwhacker and the Commando. Uh, lights dominated the per ton metrics as we would expect uh, with the Commando, the Flea, the Wolfhound and the Javelin all proving really really strong. Uh, whilst it was the mobile mediums uh, like the Vulcan and the Assassin that were really, really good as well uh, in that medium bracket. Generally speaking, the heavy classes, I found it hard to compete when we're looking at the per tonnage figures. Uh, but when we're looking at overall damage, uh, the Jagermech, the Grasshopper, and the Champion actually did really, really well uh, for that weight class. Now, the Assaults found it even harder than the heavies, uh, but the Annihilator was still actually really, really good, uh, averaging over 400 damage per use uh, over 110 times. For the individual variants, uh, the Vulcan 5T was used over 550 times. Uh, it was the most used, and Daylight was second. Of course, following the uh, Vulcan were the usual suspects, uh, the Assassins 23 and 21, uh, the Warhammer 6R, and the Grasshopper 5H being the next most common. Overall, though, uh, I think that the tournament provided maybe less surprises on the mech front. Um, it was probably what we expected, you know, the mechs that were best able to carry out the roles uh, required by the strats were what we saw. So given the small number of maps the teams used, uh, they kind of settled on those mechs and we tended to see them time and time again. Uh, and again, I talked a little bit more, I had talked about that a bit in the uh, mid-comp review. Uh, now across the Marshall Olympiad reborn, we'd generally seen two strats. Um, the first one was that cap and control type approach uh, with long range mechs uh, and we did see some of that in ISC but it was probably more in an overwatch sense. I saw a lot of um, long range grasshoppers, uh, we saw gorse warhammers uh, and we saw AC2 Jaeger mechs as well. So there was you know, some trade, some poke and trade with the AC2s but uh, for the Gorse Warhammers and the uh, Long Range Grasshoppers, it was a lot of Overwatch that we saw. And uh, we saw it on pretty much every map. Uh, but some pretty classic and common examples of that was the Overwatch position on Grim, on the outer part of Grim, where you can Overwatch Sigma and Gamma. Uh, early on, we saw the Grasshoppers up on the wall. Uh, on HPG when the uh, wall strat was kind of dominating uh, at the in the early parts of the tournament uh, and on Canyon of course we saw a, a bunch of uh, peak and poke uh, with uh, you know lasers gorse um, and with AC2s as well. Now the other strat that was common in, in the Marshall Olympiad Reborn and that we saw to some degree uh, in ISC was that mobile brawl uh, and we've really seen uh, of late the rise of the IS medium pulse for using as a mobile brawling uh, weapon uh, and we saw uh, obviously a ton of Vulcans used uh, but really common to see wolfhounds, roughnecks, crabs, uh, phoenix hawks uh, and of course 228 with the Uzeals boating uh, those MPLs and uh, that becoming the primary weapon 
seen in this mobile brawl strat. I think though, one of the main differences that this tournament showed us, particularly when we compare it to MOR, was that it was really common for a team to bring almost a combination of those two strats. So we'd see drop decks that carried, say, two or three Overwatch mechs, two or three mobile brawlers in the Vulcans or something like that, and then maybe one or two real fast movers, uh, like a Flea or a Wolfhound or a Commando, to get an early cap, but then wait and be ready to kind of join in an engagement or back cap or something like that. So whether it was because of the tonnage limit, the fact that it was three cap conquest, um, the maps that were used, or that it was you know six v six, I'm not entirely sure, uh, but I think we definitely saw less pure trading strats than we would have seen in MOR. Uh, it's it'd certainly be a, an interesting question to run by some of the team captains out there, uh, and if you did have thoughts, then please do leave them in the comments. But um, Whilst we certainly saw some all-in decks, uh, like the uh, the champion brawl decks that two to eight, um, the two to eight teams seemed to run, uh, or even JGX running the jumpy medium pulse mix on Solaris to try and pull people into a, a kill box and then fire down on them, what we saw was far more of these bracket drop decks that was bringing in those components, bringing in the Overwatch, bringing in the fast mobile brawl, uh, and then having that, that fast capper that can kind of tag in uh, somewhere as well, that fast mover that can cap and then join in. So I think that was pretty different uh, from ISC uh, compared to what we had seen in MOR. All right, so last off, let's just ask the question again around what we can take from ISC uh, that might be relevant for the MechWarrior World Champs or indeed for the other comps we see moving forward. Now last time I talked about IS being really strong in that 40 ton and under bracket uh, and then pretty weak once you get 60 tons and over. Uh, we also talked about uh, how medium pulse lasers for IS are really strong at the moment uh, as are AC2s uh, and I think that for future comps uh, when we do see an IS mech, I think it is most commonly to be one of the mechs uh, that maybe boats those uh, weapon systems really, really well, uh, such as uh, the Vulcan. So those were two uh, of the biggest takeaways that we talked about uh, in the mid-comp review. So uh, there are just a couple more that I think are relevant, uh, and I do want to give credit to uh, some team leaders from my unit, Matt Moisa and Small Baguette. Uh, who gave me some feedback in this regard uh, to help inform it. Uh, so the first one is about the map selection. And uh, in the mid-comp review, I had talked about uh, perhaps the risk of a narrowed map selection. Uh, and we saw, of course, that uh, the wall strat became pretty dominant on HPG, uh, and the organizers did opt to take some action around that. Uh, IEC, I think, has helped highlight that map selection is a pretty crucial part of the game uh, and it affects the spectacle so it will be really really important for uh, world champs to be able to find that balance between a map selection that's not too narrow so that you're ending up on canyon all the time like we've seen before uh, and not too wide a selection where 
teams don't necessarily have the chance to prep adequately uh, and that they are doing things a little bit more on the fly and it is a, a little bit more random. So it really raises the question of whether to include a map selection process to guarantee certain maps like we saw in ISC uh, or to have a selection process uh, and risk teams selecting the same one or two maps each time. Now some parts of that forced selection worked well for ISC. Uh, it did make it easier, I think, for teams to prepare and to refine their strats, save them a bit of time, they knew what they were, they were coming up against. Uh, but it also has that risk of the meta strats emerging, just one dominant strategy coming up and having to play it or having to counter it to win. Uh, and we saw that to a degree uh, with the wall strat on HPG. Uh, and again, uh, as we have higher skilled teams, where the margin of error uh, is that much less, uh, then those meta strats become even more important. So uh, for the comp cognoscenti that will be uh, deciding what world champs look like or uh, what future comps look like, uh, that map selection process becomes so important because the map and the mode uh, are such a key element to how a game will play out. Now the other thing uh, to mention and the other key takeaway I think from the IESC uh, is that it had a really really good participation rate all things considered uh, and that included a few first-time teams uh, and one of the reasons for that or one of the positives I think of an Innisfear only tournament is that the IS mechs are quite a nice entry point into the game uh, and quite a nice entry point into comp uh, and this was something that Matt pointed out in particular uh, was that IS mechs of course have uh, a bit more survivability they are a bit tankier than their clan, clan counterparts. And of course, they're, with the weapon systems that they have, it's less that high burst alpha that you might get with clan, the jump out, fire all your lasers, and then jump back in. And those two things help combine to mean that you get a greater a time to kill. The TTK with IS only uh, mechs or IS versus IS uh, is a bit more. So that is a good starting point for teams that are newer to comp or in fact teams that are less skilled uh, and it does mean that the enjoyability factor I think is increased uh, because all of the teams that are competing feel as though they can uh, be on the battlefield for a little bit longer uh, and not get instantly deleted. Now the same thing goes I guess for comps that involve less mechs overall so a firing line of 12 mechs of course looks very different to a firing line of six mechs. Uh, there's less angles that can be covered and all of those kind of things. So all of those things help increase uh, the overall time to kill. And that becomes another really important factor for comp moving forward is where do you want the time to kill balance to be? And the truth being, the more mechs that you have on the battlefield, the more lines that are able to be covered across a map. And of course, uh, mechs that are closer to the meta, particularly clan mechs that can deliver that high burst alpha, uh, the more that we see of those, the more reduced time to kill is. And once again, that becomes another factor that uh, influences the spectacle of the game that we are seeing. So uh, that is something that ISC showed us. It showed us what IS versus IS look like and uh, what an increased time to kill uh, may do. Uh, and how that might be important for comp moving forward. 
So those are the takeaways. Uh, again, uh, in the mid-comp review, I did cover those things. I won't bother repeating those here. Uh, if you are interested, go back uh, and listen to those uh, and check out what else we had to say about uh, the key takeaways from the tournament. Right, so that is probably enough from me. Uh, as mentioned, we are going to chat with tournament organisers NotBob and Callum Farstar from Aces Wild uh, and hopefully chat to these guys and reflect a little bit on the tournament itself. Uh, of course, the format, the structure and some of those things that they've learned from running a tournament like this. Once again, I would also like to give a massive shout out to the Shoutcasters uh, who gave up their time and energy uh, to bring so much of the action to us. Uh, in particular, casters like Draven and System Belmont, who time and time again are volunteering to cast these matches uh, and bring the action to us. Uh, they do a ton of work. Uh, you know, Draven solo casted uh, in the same way that Kurlon did uh, in MOR. And again, hopefully you guys understand just how tricky it can uh, be to do those kind of things. So thank you guys. Uh, you're really helping promote competitive play. Uh, and it's, you know, really valuable uh, to the community as well. So GG uh, from all of the listeners. I uh, would also like to thank PGI uh, for the support that they provided for the tournaments uh, and this tournament in particular with the, uh, both the winnings, the MC that uh, players uh, and teams will take away and of course the giveaways that were featured on stream. Uh, so to Tina and to Darren, I hope you guys both listen. Uh, a big thank you uh, from the Mech Bros in the competitive community. Uh, it is fantastic to have PGI helping the players walk away with some swag. Now lastly, as always, a thank you to our incoming missile patrons, uh, Dan N, Ryan Craig, John Doe Iowa, MWO Comp, Jacob Sawyer, Shaky Snake, Bryos, Chill Gapson, Knight of the Day, Nakoro Doomguard, uh, and our newest patron, Robin Merkley. Thank you guys for your support, it is greatly appreciated, uh, and if you wanted to support the podcast in more tangible ways like these amazing individuals, uh, you can become a patron for as little as $2 per month. Uh, so look for Incoming Missile Podcast on Patreon. You hit a high enough tier uh, and you can join us on the podcast uh, just like Nokoro did in the episode that we did really recently. Right, enough from me, Mick fans. I'll uh, catch you all next time. Now you're Shutdown sequence initiated.